Hi, everyone. My name is Yosef Siegel, and welcome back to the AMM Torah podcast. We've been off for a couple weeks, and it's really great to be back. So without further ado, let's get into this week's Dvar Torah for Parshas Miketz. So in a complete 180 from last week's Parsha, where uh, we ended off with Yosef sitting in jail, Parshas Miketz starts off with Yosef uh, being escorted directly into the palace of Paro, the ruler of Egypt, to interpret his dreams. And by the end of it, uh, he has correctly interpreted the dreams of Paro, and uh, he has become the second in command of the entire country of Mitzrayim, with total control over all functions of the kingdom. Paro says, the only person higher than you in this country is me. Uh, and uh, Yosef's ascension to power is complete. And the reason he got this job was because he had correctly interpreted Paro's dreams, which had told him that there was about to be a seven-year period where there would be plenty food, followed by a seven-year famine. Um, and uh, his assignment was to prepare for that famine period. And having that foreknowledge and uh, with a very solid plan, Yosef ends up building Mitzrayim into the wealthiest country in the world at the time, to the point where everyone else in the world had to come to Mitzrayim to uh, purchase food, and eventually Mitzrayim became a world power. And eventually, the famine hits Eretz Yisrael, and uh, the Shvatim, the sons of Yaakov, have to make their way down to Mitzrayim. And Yosef uh, had planned for this and had waited for them to come, and as soon as he realized that they were there, he gathered them all up together and brought them to the palace. And they, of course, don't recognize him. It's been many years. He looks like an Egyptian, but he, of course, already knows who they are. And uh, he proceeds to put them through a very emotional and difficult ordeal. Uh, he first accuses them of being spies. Then when they protest and they say, we have a father at home, we have another brother at home. So he says, okay, prove it. And he tells them to uh, bring back Binyamin to prove their innocence, which was part of his uh, plan the whole time, as we'll see. And in the meantime, he wants to keep one of them as a hostage and he ends up keeping Shimon. Now, this is obviously just a charade. You know, Yo Yosef knows these are his brothers. And uh, he, he's going to, you know, this is his opportunity to get back in touch with his family. He's, he's going to take it, and we see that he does take it. You know, the whole time Yosef wanted to get back in touch with his brothers. So, so why is he doing this whole thing? You know, let alone the facts, Yaakov, you know, has wanted to hear from Yosef for 22 years. And, and he thinks he's dead, and, and Yosef's first message is not to, you know, you know, maybe he's still upset of his brothers, but say, okay, you guys are jerks, but tell your father, tell my father that I'm here. And then he has to convince, he has to let Yaakov send Binyamin down to Mitzrayim. Binyamin is the last remaining uh, memory, that real life memory that Yaakov has of Rachel. And now Binyamin's going to have to go leave his side for an extended period of time. And Yaakov's afraid, actually afraid that he might never come back. And even, you know, all the terrible things that his brothers did to him by, by selling him as a slave, is Yosef allowed to take revenge on them? Of course not. So why did he put his entire family through this torment? So the Ramban uh, bases it off the Pasuk that when Yosef's brothers come down and bow in front of him, so this is in Parak uh, Membe's Pasuk Tess, the beginning of the Pasuk says, Yosef remembered the dreams that he had dreamed about them, meaning his brothers. So when Yosef sees the brothers bowing down to him, all of a sudden something clicks in his head, and he's like, ah, hold on a second, I had a dream that all my brothers would bow down to me. It's coming true. And then he's like, hold on a second. In my dream, all 11 of my brothers bow down to me, but here there's only 10, because Benjamin's not here. Okay, we need to make sure that this dream comes true. So he arranges this whole thing, that the brothers are going to go down and bring Benjamin, 
And then they'll come and they'll all bow down to me. And then he was going to tell them that, oh, I really am Yosef. And uh, they can send, uh, he, he can send word to Yaakov that they should all come down. And then the second dream is, uh, includes Yaakov bowing down to him. So at the end of the day, the Ramban explains that this whole thing was about making sure that the dreams would come true. Now, the Ramban acknowledges that this whole uh, episode must have been a terrible torture for the family, but he says it's worth it because it was very important that the dreams should, could, should be fulfilled. Now, the question's obvious. It's that important for the dreams to be fulfilled down to the exact detail. You know, Yosef's already king. You know, what, what's the big deal about the dreams? And it's so important that he has to torture his brothers. He has to torture Yaakov. Chazal even teaches us in Brachos. I don't have the exact uh, source at the moment. It's actually about this. Uh, it's actually about this story. Um, in Parshas Vayeshev, in Yosef's second dream, so he dreams that uh, his mother would be bowing down to him as well, and his mother's obviously dead. So Chazal explained that in every single dream, even the ones that are meant to send you a message, there is something uh, which is not true. There's some a little bit of shtus. As I'll say in every single dream. So let Yosef say, okay, you know, the dream had 11 brothers, but really it only meant 10. And that's it. You know, what's the big deal? So he doesn't even need to call Binyamin down. He doesn't even need to torture Yaakov at all. If he wants to torture the brothers for whatever reason, we could deal with that alone. But he has, you know, the torturing of Yaakov, the bringing, the forcing down of Binyamin to its rhyme never had to happen. So what's the, what's the big deal? What is going on over here? And I came across a, a number of answers. Um, and the most complete one uh, that stood out to me was from Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky and his Sefer Emes Yaakov on Torah, which we've quoted before. Um, I'll admit, I have some difficulty really understanding in terms of this question. The, the question is still better than the answer, but uh, we do learn something from the answer as well. He explains that it wasn't specifically about the dreams that made Yosef go through this whole process with the brothers. There was something he had to teach his brothers, which even after all these years of his being gone and them knowing that he was alive, they still hadn't learned. Going back to last week's parsha when the brothers were selling Yosef, the brothers were wise men. And as we see in the Pesukim with Chazal, everything they did really was L'Shem Shemayim. They, they really did it for the sake of Hashem. They observed Yosef uh, as a child, um, and they saw his his preening, as it says in the Pasuk, uh, how he entertained, at least in their minds, these delusions of grandeur with his dreams that he was going to be king over them. And they felt that he was threatening the long-term future of this family that they had constructed. Because this is not just, you know, any other family. This isn't even just a family as, you know, Avramitsuk, Yaakov, and then the Shvatim. From the Shvatim are going to rise the Bnei Yisrael. This is the beginning of the nation. And therefore, as the founders of the Am Hashem, of the Am Nivchar, they have to make sure, they felt it was their responsibility to make sure that everyone who was there with them was qualified to be one of those people. And Yosef's, through Yosef's actions, they had judged um, unbiasedly. Meaning, again, you know, it, it seems that they're just jealous of Yosef and stuff like that, but, but they really, really felt that he was causing damage over here. So without consulting their father, which, you know, may have been a mistake, but without consulting Yaakov, they put together a real Beisden, which, of course, um, not based off of the halachos of Beisden that we have in the Torah, because the Torah had not been given yet. But they put together a Beisden, and they sentenced, they, they sentenced him. You know, it wasn't a kangaroo court. It was a fair judgment. They had these observations. They cheshbined they it out together. They calculated the thing, and they said, this is what's fair. We have to get him out of this family. But as we see, that was a mistake. And even all these years later, 
when they come in front of Yosef, even though they felt bad for their father, and Chazal even teach us that they came down to Mitzrayim ready to find Yosef and bring him back, they still thought that at the time they had not made a mistake. So what Yosef wanted to teach his brothers was a lesson that, that went beyond him. And the idea was that even though they were great men, and even though they had a fair and impartial judgment, they had made a mistake in their initial simple assumption, their umdana, their assumption of what the scenario was, was completely wrong. And what he wanted to teach them was that you could have a fair and impartial judgment, but that assumption, if that assumption is incorrect, then the whole thing is incorrect. And they hadn't learned that yet. And they hadn't put that into their mindset. They felt that as long as they judgment everything out correctly, then, uh, then, re- then the court, whatever case ended up, whatever uh, determination they, they ended up with, must be correct, because their whole cheshbens had been correct. So what Yosef shows them is here you have a king who uh, who comes up with all these crazy theories about how they're spies and how they're just out to get him and stuff like that, and they're sitting there going like, hold on, this is a smart guy, why can't he just listen to us and see like, we're, we're a family, we have a father, we have, we have another brother, we have a lot of people back home, we're not going to risk all their lives just to get a little bit extra out of Mitzrayim. You know, they're sitting there so frustrated that this ruler can't realize that. And that's what Yosef wanted to, uh, wanted to give to them. That uh, it's possible to, uh, to be totally, uh, totally wrong even when everything you're doing is logical and correct. And until they went through all the tortures in this week's Parsha, they'd never entertain this possibility. And the plan worked. The Pasuk, uh, later on in Membeis, in uh, Pasuk Chafalif, this is uh, right after he accuses them of being spies, the Pasuk says, and, and the brothers said to one another, We are guilty, on our brother, that we witnessed uh, the distress of his soul, when he begged us, we didn't listen to him. Therefore, all this trouble has come upon us. So they, they finally realize that... Uh, that uh, perhaps they made a mistake. And Yosef's not going to end it right there. He's going to keep going until they bring down Benjamin because he wants to make sure that the dream is fulfilled because it's so, it's, it's, it became so important for him to show them how they could make a mistake in their initial assumptions that he said, what did you judge wrong about me? My dreams. You thought my dreams were delusions of grandeur, but they weren't. They were a message that Hashem had sent me that this was the position that I was going to be in. So therefore, it's important that every single detail, even though in general it would have been possible for for a detail to be wrong because a dream can still be true with a, with a one detail being wrong. But in order to make sure his point was proven and illustrated to the fullest, he had to make sure that every single detail was correct. And that's why he went beyond that and made sure that they brought down Binyamin as well. And as we explained from the Pasuk later, this plan worked. Let me just take this opportunity to wish everyone a happy Hanukkah. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. For any questions, comments, or to subscribe to the email newsletter, please email me at amemtorah at gmail.com. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. The email newsletter will give you updates for Amem Torah, as well as the written version of the Dvar Torah in your inbox, along with an MP3 download of this podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes. Just search for the Amem Torah podcast or my name, Yosef Siegel. Please check out the blog itself, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, where you can get the written version of this week's Dvar Torah, as well as the archived versions of the previous eight years of Amen Torah Divrei Torah. 
please check out my website, hashkafahandbook.com, where this podcast is hosted, and learn more about my book, Reality Check, A Handbook of Hashkafa. And finally, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter, Twitter handle at amemtorah. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great job.